Hi, welcome to Leadership with Randy. I'm Randy Powell. Today you're listening to Lessons on Leadership, our weekly conversation with inspiring people sharing some of the stories and lessons from their journey. So the community college's role really is that economic developer workforce training mechanism, the engine uh, to prepare people to fill those positions that are open. And Today on Lessons in Leadership, we're visiting with Dr. Greg Mosier, president of Kansas City, Kansas Community College. We discussed Dr. Mosier's early career in business and how that prepared him to later lead an educational institution and the awesome opportunity that school has to help change lives and transform the community. You can learn more about the school at kckcc.edu. Now let's go hear from Dr. Mosier. All right, well, we'll get started. Good morning, everyone. It's great to be back together. Happy New Year and, and awesome to see everyone. And been looking forward for a couple of months to spending time with Dr. Greg Mosier, who's the president of Kansas City, Kansas Community College. And there's so many uh, directions we can take this, plus new ones that he's already uh, told me about this morning. But there's an awful lot of power in a community college. And I think the value proposition of what the community college can do for businesses and, and the community is stronger than ever uh, these days. And so just want to talk a little bit about your journey, which I think is unique. When I look back, you know, I think my most impactful teachers were ones who had business experience too, and real world experience. They hadn't just memorized a book and you've got a ton of experience outside of education that you bring to uh, this environment. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your journey and some of the things you've uh, done in your past and what brought you to KCK? Sure, Randy. Thank you for that. And good morning to everyone. Nice to see such a, a big group here. And I recognize several names uh, that are on with us. So nice to see you as well. Um, so just a little bit about myself. Um, I've been president at KCKCC for about three and a half years, uh, started in June of 2018. Um, and kind of the, the path that took me here. I'll, I'm going to step back 32 years or so. Um, but prior to higher education, I was actually a defense contractor. So I worked for NASA, Rockwell, Lockheed, um, worked on some DARPA projects and international projects. Um, and my background is my bachelor's degree is in industrial scientific photography, which is basically research and development. Um, a lot of high working for the uh, DOD, a lot of high speed testing of different types of uh, ballistic um, and um, uh, just uh, all, all sorts of things. We did a lot of uh, the, the ballistic testing, but then we also did a lot of sled testing with missiles. And if you remember all the way back to the first Gulf War and, and the six pack that came out of the Patriot missile system, to help defend the borders. Um, you know, we did a lot of work with that. Uh, worked on uh, one of the replacement lenses for the Hubble telescope when it went up and it had faulty lenses. So we had to, you know, get some a set together to get those tested and make sure that they went up. Otherwise it'd be 
you know, hundreds of millions of dollars lost uh, if they were not successful. So I brought that experience with me. Uh, I was teaching as an adjunct instructor at New Mexico State University at their two-year campus. Um, in 92, when the uh, DOD layoffs hit, um, we were in a union shop and there, it was one of the last three that came in. So even though I was teaching some of the people who had been there a long time, a lot of the techniques and some of the new uh, skill sets and things that can be done, um, when the layoffs hit, I had a choice. So I was either, you know, going to go to a different location, uh, but NMSU offered me a full-time position there to build a photographic technologies program. So I thought, well, I'll do that for a couple of years. And uh, 16 years later, <laughs> I decided, you know, I went to a dean position at Moberly Area Community College here, not too far north of Columbia, Missouri. Um, I taught on the technical side of the house, um, and photography, and then Photoshop and Illustrator and graphic design and web design, and 3D animation and all of that, and then started to oversee other programs. Um, so I took a position um, as Dean of Career and Technical Education at Mobile Area Community College, north of Columbia, Missouri. Um, was there for five years and could kind of see the writing on the wall. And I, I did have, uh, you know, my vision for leadership and, and where I wanted to be in my professional career. Um, so made the move to a vice president at Oklahoma State University, one of their two-year campuses that also offered four-year degrees. Um, it was their technical campus, so it was a really good fit for me. Uh, we had over 400 corporate partnerships. Uh, built consortium programs and specialized programs for like Kenworth, Komatsu, uh, the big five OEMs in the um, automobile industry, a lot of the oil companies and, and such. Um, but my heart really is in the community college sector because we can do so much and change, have a significant impact on people's lives and change their trajectory uh, in a really significant way through technical education and skill sets for, you know, high demand, high wage jobs in a really short period of time. Um, so my return to uh, community colleges, I was up at Rochester Community and Technical College in Rochester, Minnesota. Uh, so the Mayo Clinic is right there. So we had a lot of partnerships in programs for the Mayo Clinic. Um, and I was there for about three years or so. Um, and then this position became available. And I really wasn't looking for a presidential pr position. Um, but one of my colleagues said, you know, Mosier, there, there's some turmoil at that institution. It's like, Mosier, you're, you're running the college. You might as well apply and be the technical president of, you know, of a college. So um, this position came up. Um, it was just a perfect fit for me and my family at this time. And I think for the community, um, Wyandotte County, you know, we have a, a, a great um, variety of, of, of cultures and people in different socioeconomic classes. And when we look at the west side of Wyandotte County versus the east side of Wyandotte County, 
a lot of really great disparities in socioeconomic manners. Um, so I thought I could come and, and do some help for the college and the community in building new programs, doing a lot of public-private partnerships, um, which is one of the things I kind of focused on the last 10 years or so. Um, and it's been a, a wonderful three and a half years since. So uh, we've got a lot of great programs going on at the college. And, you know, a little bit later, I'll, I'll get, it, get in and, and talk about this uh, project that we have going for downtown KCK. You know, that's some interesting experiences. How does that uh, range of experiences and those business experiences. How do you, how do you, they reshape your view of education and the partnership with business? What does that allow you to bring to KCK that that's unique? Sure. Sure. So actually, you know, working in the field before coming into higher education and building partnerships with business and industry. Um, it's a complete, I'm an odd duck for a college president um, because of the mix, the, the background that I have. Um, but it just really gives me the believability when we're out talking with the uh, business partners on that we can do something together and it's going to end up being a win, 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 uh, be a win for the company. It'll be a win for the college and, and for the students, um, providing these technical education and, and transfer degrees, um, that will really change their lives. Um, and, you know, we've been in a skills gap for many years now where we don't have enough talent in the, in, in the uh, job market to fill the number of jobs that are available. Um, so really the way forward for community colleges is that public-private partnership. Uh, so working with companies to help sponsor programs, uh, to, to help build them, to get them off the ground, um, to help scholarship students. And uh, by doing so and being engaged with the college in those types of relationships, those companies that are part of the rebuild consortiums, right? Um, if you're a consortium member, and let's just say um, in automotive technology, you get, a you get the first crack at the graduates who are coming out because you've already built that relationship. You've provided some internship opportunities for the students um, and you, you have that first opportunity to hire people as they're graduating. And, and then um, after that, you know, the regular business community at large would have a chance, but this gives employers that really first look and uh, experience working with the students. You know, everybody on here that's involved in hiring or at least uh, aware of their clients or friends of hiring know that, you know, as you just mentioned, there's a massive shortage and we're in the midst of this great resignation. Uh, what role does the community college play both in helping those folks that are seeking out their next opportunity develop the skill path that they want to to reach those goals and then how do businesses tap into that that there are folks out there going to the college you know in your technical programs trying to uh, blaze a new trail and how do we tap into that sure 
Yeah. So in, in Wyandotte County, on average, in the last month or so, we have about 6,500, 6,800 jobs open and unmet every month. So, but we don't have the, the, the jobs that people, uh, that the companies have that are out there. We don't have the local skilled talent for that. Uh, we have 27% of the, of the jobs held in Wyandotte County are held by those who live outside Wyandotte County. Right. So about 70% of the paychecks that companies are paying every week, every Friday, it leaves Wyandotte County. So the community college role really is that economic developer workforce training mechanism, the engine uh, to prepare people to fill those positions that are open. And Job positions are becoming more technical in nature. If, you, if we take a look at manufacturing, uh, everyone thinks of manufacturing in the old sense as this blue collar, really greasy mechanic type job. Well, you know, that's definitely not the case. There's a lot of work with uh, information technology, with computers, with CNCs and hydraulics and pneumatics and programming. Um, and those are the skill sets that we work with our business partners to help identify what the need is, what the gap is. And then we can work that into our curriculum so that as we bring people through our educational programs, whether it's a one semester certificate or a one year or a two year program, we, we built this curriculum that meets the immediate needs of our business and industry in Wyandotte County and in the surrounding counties. If you got questions, type in the chat and we'll, uh, we'll get you on, you know, one of the things Harry and I talk about all the time, and we spoke about it yesterday is that we hire people and not pedigree. And I think that ties into Mary's question. So let's go to Mary. Good morning, Dr. Moser. Good morning. <laughs> You all know I'd love to be on camera, but I, I'm feeling a little under the weather um, today. But here, here's one of my um, favorite questions is, how can we really encourage employers to reconsider and look um, intentionally at those that have the associate degrees or even the certificates versus just looking at someone to enter in with a bachelor's degree, especially for the entry-level jobs? How would you encourage them? Yeah, great question, Mary. Thank you. Um, so it's really what are the skill sets that the individuals have when they graduate from a program, no matter what the program length is. Um, and at the community college level and the one year or the two year degree paths, we have trained these individuals, and I hate to use the word trained, right? I was told a long time ago, you don't train people, you educate them, you train animals. So I try and avoid that term, but it, that's what's used in the industry sector. So we educate individuals that with those skill sets that the employer needs, right? And, and with this huge skills gap um, and the great resignation, in the last 10 years, employers are becoming uh, more aware of the skill sets that people who come through community colleges have. 
Um, so this, as the labor market tightens, then the employers are more apt to look for other alternatives than having a bachelor degree required, right? Because they need workers for, for number one, but they, they need that skilled workforce. You know, it, it's that 50% 50 of the jobs in the United States require more than high school and less than a four-year degree. Well, that just screams community colleges. Um, and, and that's part of our mission is, is to help educate our community so that they can go into the workforce and be successful. So um, working with the employers um, and, and building these consortium models, um, like we're going to do downtown. We've got a big project that we're going to do downtown uh, in KCK Urban Core. Um, it started off as just a satellite location for KCKCC, but as we talked with people in the area, in the in that downtown area, and with employers, they you know we listened, right? And, and they said, well, we need a lot of those soft skills. We need some something that will help us get out of where we are, you know, quote unquote, trapped for right now in a impoverished area with a family living in generational poverty, we have a lot of trauma, right? There's crime, there's drugs, uh, all of that that comes with an individual when they're trying to, to get their education. Maybe they don't even have a high school diploma. Um, maybe they don't speak English well enough to obtain a job, uh, needless to maintain a job. So, now, what was the KCKCC Downtown Community Education Center? Now we're partnering with the YMCA. Um, they lost their space in, in KCK in 2018 with Wyandotte Behavioral Health uh, because a lot of people do have mental health concerns that need to be addressed so that they can free their mind to be educated. They don't have to, they've got to get past that trauma. Um, the physical health of the folks living downtown is much worse than on the west side or in other uh, um, communities that have more financial resources, more medical health related resources, etc. So we're partnering with Swope Healthcare, that is a federally qualified healthcare provider, so it can pro provide um, healthcare to low income, no income individuals. Um, and then we recently partnered with Community America Credit Union uh, because if we're going to take people and we're many of the adult population that come through our programs are on some form of social assistance, right? So we want to help them and get them educated and, and trained with skill sets that they can earn a successful wage. Uh, people will come through our one or two year programs and they'll leave, say, our plumbing or our HVAC or welding, um, automotive, and they'll, they'll be making $50,000 a year. So they're going to move from social service support to having uh, an income that can help support them, their family, uh, that they can use to buy a house, buy a car, remodel a house. But they need to know how to save. 
money as well. So that financial literacy part is really, really important too, that they just don't spend all of that $50,000 a year, right? That they put some money into savings and they develop a long-term financial plan. Um, so what was just a KCKCC site location is now the uh, Kansas City, Kansas Community Education, Health and Wellness Center. Uh, it's 130,000 square feet. It's a $70 million build and outfit. Um, and, and we're in the capital campaign for that right now. So, and, and we're talking with business and industry and philanthropic groups, how they can help us support the construction of the project. So I work under uh, the notion that as a community college and as a community, you help us build the facility and we can operate it after that. So um, no mill levy increase, you know, no new taxes, anything like that. It's really through community support to build the facility. And then we can operate on tuition and fees and, and state allocation to keep it running. And we're going to be moving people out of prosperity, uh, out of poverty into prosperity. Um, but it takes all of those um, um, I'm sorry, wraparound services to help to get a person to their, where they're going to be ready to come through one of our programs, even if it's ESL or GED. So it's, it's all that partnership. It's all that collaboration. It's, you know, working together. So in this one block area, they will have services and, and availability of services that they haven't had for 30 years. It's a big vision, right? But you have to set your vision high, set your goals high, right? Uh, get out of the comfort zone. If, if you're working in a comfort zone, then you're really not working at the best of your potential. So embrace being uncomfortable. Embrace seeking and putting challenging goals ahead of you in your team uh, so that you can really maximize what you're doing for the community. You know, before we go here to Mike, you know, I want to say he'll probably be mad at me for saying this, but Mike raised money for one KCK student to buy a car so he could get awesome. to school, get to work. Awesome thing. But it was one kid. So I know that has something to do with Mike's question here. Mike, you want to? Talk about your question. Yeah, thanks. <clears throat> and should everybody think I'm so great? Randy contributed a pretty sizable part of that check. So, but it's a good question because it was something that was really an eye opener for me when I had a student who happened to be through our charity that we kind of operate and, and um, we wanted to get him a job and get him a job outside. He lives at 63rd and Wyandotte, or 63rd and Leavenworth Road. So, you know, he's he's in an area over there where it's very, very spread out. And to even walk to a bus stop is a very, very long walk. Um, his family only has one car. He was 19 years old, almost 20, and did not have a driver's license because his mom did not only have one car and she wouldn't take him to learn how to drive because if something wrecked, if she wrecked the car, you know, then the dominoes start to fall. Right. So it kind of opened this 
idea to me that, you know, this big barrier is transportation and not necessarily just getting them to a bus, because if you've ever driven over in the Wyandotte area, it's, it's very, very spread out. That is not downtown Kansas City for at all. So is there been any discussion about, you know, gas subsidies or, or ability to help get the people to the school um, other than just a, a bus? Because I found that even in trying to employ that student, we, our company's in Overland Park, he's at 63rd and Leavenworth Road, even just to get here, let's say he gets a job, just to get here back and forth, the cost of the gas is, is crazy. So I don't know. I just think that's a barrier that, that I just wondered if that's ever been discussed beyond public transit. Sure. And, and it's kind of already built into our system and the different types of aid that we offer um, through the Pell Grant um, that not only pays for tuition and fees, depending upon how, you know, uh, what the dollar the students receive, uh, but then also the great work that our foundation does. Uh, you know, Randy sits on our foundation board and Mary Ricketts, and I think I saw Mary Spangler in here, um, and they have scholarships available for students and they can be used for gas or uh, their educational related um, uh, expenses. So some of that's already built in. Um, recently, Kansas passed the um, Kansas Promise Act. What that does is it pays for all educational expenses, tuition, fees, books, um, training materials, expendable materials, as long as it is a requirement of the, of the entire program, right? Just not one student's needs, but a requirement of the program, the Kansas Promise Act will pay for those expenses. Um, and that, that leaves more money available for the students if they are working outside that they don't have to put that towards their education, right? And then they can use it for gas money, transportation money. So the Kansas Promise Act is for uh, high skilled or high demand, high wage occupations. Uh, KCKCC has about 30 programs that fall into this construction, manufacturing, all the, the technical courses and programs, welding, HVAC, um, automation, healthcare, a variety of healthcare programs. So they can really go through well, at, at no cost if they're eligible for one of these, you know, one of the programs. Um, and then working with the foundation on receiving scholarships, uh, philanthropic giving, which will help them um, with other expenses that are not covered through federal financial aid, uh, Kansas Promise Act, or other institutional scholarships that they can apply for. Um, right now, if any student, um, really in any employee, their college ID, so just their, their, their badge here, um, this is a access to the transportation, right, to the bus line. So they don't have to pay for bus fees. Um, one of the things that, that we chose the location downtown is it's one block away from the main transit hub at 7th in Minnesota. So if they can get to a bus stop, 
they can get to that hub. And it's, it's literally walking from Minnesota to State Avenue. And that's the entrance of this new educational center and community health and wellness center. So we're looking at attacking this from, from multiple fronts. Um, and, and we choose our locations, you know, really purposefully. Um, and then provide, having the, their ID is their bus token. Um, that's really beneficial for a lot of students. And, and like I say, those that have to travel a long ways, um, you know, we, we help provide additional financial resources through our foundation and other uh, scholarship opportunities. Have you, have you explored any partnerships between Lyft and Uber for those students to get them from that bus line, you know, out? I saw Mary's comment about Leavenworth Road. I mean, I was surprised when I started going over there to meet with this young man, you know, how, how country it was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Curious right. Discussed. Yeah. No, it, it, we, we haven't. Um, our, our budgets are tight, right? So we'd have, we'd have to look for philanthropic support in order to be able to afford to do that. Um, so it's a great idea. And I'm sure the, the Marys are making notes rapidly as we're talking. Um, it, it, it's a great idea, but uh, financially that'd be difficult for us. One of the benefits of the community college is the students aren't paying $350 a credit hour um, to, to obtain their education, right? Our, our in-county tuition is $82 a credit hour, right? Tuition and fees total is like 101, 102. So it's one third of the cost of going to a four-year university. Um, and we give them all that hands-on experience and we give them that small class size interaction with the instructor experience that isn't offered at the universities, right? So uh, super affordable. Kansas Promise Act pays for about 30 programs. Uh, increase in Pell funding is, is very helpful. Um, and then the work of our foundation is really important too. Go over to Jeff. Good morning, Dr. Moser. Uh, fascinating career and how you ended up as the president of Kansas City, Kansas Community College, an excellent story. Um, I do uh, a lot of work with a four-year institution, recent college graduates on how to get a job and all that entails, resumes, interview prep, interviewing, cover letters, researching jobs, LinkedIn profiles, and so on. And I'm, I'm and, and why I do it is I've had a lot of training in it, um, right, wrong, or different, uh, as well as I think it, there's a need there that uh, like they really don't know how to do a lot of it. Um, you know, most of the college career um, advisors, you know, have been with the institution for such a long time, so they're not you know, looking for jobs or know how to look for them because they've been at an institution for 20 years, 15 years, 10 years, whatever it is. So just curious on your thoughts as well as, you know, what, is there anything that you 
uh, do for your student body? Yeah, no, that's a great question, Jeff. Um, so in a lot of our technical, I think maybe in all, but I'll be cautious of using the word all, um, but our technical programs have what we call a capstone class. So in that capstone, they'll be putting together a part portfolio, if that's appropriate, but we also work with them on uh, resuming, resume writing skills, uh, just cover, you know, how to write a cover letter, you know, how to build a resume, um, how to dress for a job interview, you know, how, how do you sit, how do you communicate with those individuals who are uh, talking with you and, and trying to learn more about you know, your technical skill sets in you as a person and how do you communicate that, right? Um, so we do do that. Um, our, we do have a career center um, that is being rebuilt at this time because there's an area that I thought we could do better. Um, so we've, we've pulled our career center, our placement ser services in at the same location as our advising so right from the very beginning, when people are being advised and asking questions about programs, then we can have some form of interaction with them to say, okay, now as you're getting ready to graduate, you know, come see us and we're going to help walk you through those types of skill sets. Yeah, that's, that's great because I don't see that in a lot of prominent four year institutions in the area. So yeah. Congratulations. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, we've got a lot of people um, that are really dedicated to what they do. I mean at, at the community college level, you know, paychecks are not as big as they are at the the four year university. Um, but people are here because they're dedicated in, in what they're doing and, and trying to to help those people who live in our community. Um, and just, you know, they have a passion for education and uh, helping people in, their, in a very short time frame. We're fortunate. We're really fortunate. You know, you alluded to it a minute ago that someone with a very modest investment could come out and be in a really good HVAC career or an electrician career or a plumber career. And I've had this conversation with a lot of kids that if you don't know what you're going to college for and you're going to go there for four years and then change majors and chase women and party and be there for five years and six years. And that all sounds fun, except that by year six, you're $200,000 in debt and you haven't made $1. And that person that came out of your program, he's probably made a quarter of a million dollars or more. You're a half a million dollars behind. Yeah. <laughs> Will you ever catch back up? Have you done anything to chart out that value proposition about just how valuable these careers are where, yeah, in two years, you're making 50,000 a year, but then you become a supervisor. And I mean, by, by the time that other person gets their degree, you might already be making hundred grand a year and they'll never catch you. Yeah. You know, we're probably not doing as good of a job as we could. In, in that area, I, I know there's conversations um, more at the programmatic levels um, and uh, you know, I'm not sure exactly what the counselors have as far as that type of information available. Um, but my gut feeling is it's probably something that we could do better. But we do talk about the value proposition of, of coming to the community college 
um, and getting one of our uh, degrees or certificates and what that earning power is. Um, and we're really focusing on developing success stories, um, putting those on our website to help tell that story. Because uh, like you said, Randy, they, they'll start at 50,000 a year. Um, but in many of these areas, they'll make $100,000 a year in maybe less than five years, right? Just, just because of the, the nature of that industry, um, what their skill sets are and, and what their soft skills are if they're looking for advancement. Um, we're looking at creating a, a new high voltage alignment program. Um, and after, if you do, the, do this two-year program with us, um, you'll be making 60 grand a year. And once you, be, you know, get your journeyman's license, you're making 100 grand a year. Uh, HVAC plumbing is, is, the same, is the same way. There's, there's always going to be a demand for it. Um, there are fewer people in the field working because people are retiring. So we have the grain out of America. And now we have the great resignation. Um, and we were already in a huge uh, skills gap. So um, we're, we're trying to tell that story more and more. And, and I share uh, when I'm talking with students about what their earning power is when they come out of these programs. It's like, folks, I've got a bachelor's degree in a really scientific field, uh, you know, a high dollar degree. I've got my master's degree and my master's is in business management and, and a focus uh, really on um, the communication part of management. And then I've got a doctorate degree. It took me about 20 years to make a hundred grand a year, right? And you guys are gonna make it in five years. So think of that earning power and multiply that times the next 15 years and, and you know, calculate what that is, you know, uh, how many, how much uh, more income and salary can you put away? Because uh, it's, it's significant. Um, our, our graduates come out making higher wages than a lot of bachelor degrees. That's, that's for sure. And what's really potentially transformative about that is you've got zip codes in your service area where the average household income is under $20,000. Mm-hmm. And so think about how life-changing that can be for a whole family for generations, the trajectory. You can change. How do you reach those kids in those neighborhoods and those schools and show them opportunity that maybe they've never historically ever seen in their family for two or three generations. Sure. Sure. And, and we do have uh, seven advisors, you know, that go out and talk with, uh, with the kids in, in high school um, and do a lot of dual and concurrent enrollment opportunities so that they can learn more about it in high school. Um, because if they get out of high school, you kind of lost them if they don't know, that those positions are available, right? Those uh, really career opportunities are available. So we try and hit it hard in the high schools. Um, we, right before the pandemic, we started offering classes at Wyandotte High School in the evenings. So it's not high school classes, it's, it's college level coursework. 
again, a lot of ESL, a lot of GED down in the in that downtown core, um, but also uh, business office professionals, administrative assistants. There's over 200 administrative assistant jobs available in Wyandotte County at almost all times, right? And they can make 30, start off at 30, $35,000 a year um, and live in the same house that they live in currently um, or have the, now they'll have the opportunity for some advancement. Um, but there's, there are jobs available just all over in, in many different sectors. Um, so it's really about educating them, finding out what they want to do, what their interests are, and then kind of directing, directing them into a cluster of programs, right? Um, and then they can narrow that down to what they specifically want to focus on. Let's go to Steve. Thank you, Randy, for another great lessons in leadership. And Dr. Moser, um, very impressed with uh, your story and the breadth and depth of the relationships that you have built, built in the uh, community. I'm just wondering um, if, if you could talk about, uh, you, you have a board that has set uh, goals and expectations uh, for the role that you play. I'm curious to know uh, what your measures of success the board has identified. And then if you have some personal goals, uh, uh, given the breadth and depth of those relationships you have in the community, I'm just curious uh, what those goals are. Thank you again for your uh, time to, this morning. Oh, absolutely. I, I enjoy being here and, and just trying to share whatever I can. Um, so my, the measure of success between the board and I, uh, the college, you know, we, when I got here, we created a new strategic plan, which has uh, four key areas. So, you know, it's student success, employee engagement, community engagement. Um, oh, gosh, there's one more. I'm sorry. I can't think about it. Um, and my goals are set in those four areas of our strategic plan and uh, specific initiatives are identified that the board wants me to accomplish. Um, I actually set it up so I do a mid-year evaluation on my progress to my goals for that one year. Um, and then I do an end of the year report on my progress to uh, on those goals and I submit that to the board. So just over the Christmas break, you know, I got together and I put together my report and sent it off to the board. So they're reviewing that now um, and they'll measure it on a five-step Likert scale and also open writing. Um, and then we sit down together and we'll have an evaluation. Um, we're in the middle of the year and what have I accomplished, you know, um, where have I excelled, uh, where have I fallen short, and what am I going to do if I'm not where I should be in that specific goal between January and June, right? And, and the, we'll talk about ideas on how we make sure that we accomplish those goals. So I, I have a measurement every six months, and, and that was by my doing, not necessarily 
the board's doing versus a, just an annual evaluation. I'm a mover. I like to I, I like I like to be moving. I move fast, um, and, and we've got a lot of things going on right now. Well, when I got here, I, I'll step back a little bit. When I got here, um, interviewing with the board and accepting the position, they said we need student housing. We um, because we rent or lease apartments from a neighbor uh, apartment complex from us, which is gone beyond their life. So I said, you know, we need student housing. We need some new programs. We need something to how do we serve the, the east side of, of Wyandotte County. Our service region is also Leavenworth County. We serve it, but it's not a taxing district. Um, and we need to have a better location in Leavenworth. So right, as I look out the window right now, we have a 200 and 60 bed, 105,000 square foot student housing complex going up right now. Uh, it's a $20 million project. Um, it's a special uh, revenue bond. Uh, it will be paid for with the students' uh, annual lease as, as they're here. Um, and that will open in June of 22. So, you know, that one's well in, in progress on, on working on downtown. Um, you know, we've got this $70 million project going right now, which really kind of goes high above and beyond what we were normally looking at. Uh, you know, the college is committed $10 million to this, and we're also saying we're not going to raise uh, mill levy for this. So doing, doing the capital campaign circuit right now, trying to raise that additional money. So we're at about 26 million right now. Uh, my goal was to be at 35 million, um, but there are some timing situations because of what take, is taking place in the federal government. Um, they're, they're, the property that we're looking at is on State Avenue between 6th Street and 7th Street. Um, about as we got into the project, about six months into it, we learned that the church on the corner is a county historical landmark. Um, it's not a state or national or anything. So we had to go through that process of, and it's been boarded up. It's a, a church that's been boarded up for 25 to 30 years. Um, and it's just rotting from the inside out. But we had to go through that process, which it, um, you know, a lot of uh, real lively conversations, a lot, a lot of passionate conversations around that. That set us back a little bit in our fundraising because people wanted to make sure that that was resolved from the philanthropic arena, you know, before people you know, commit one million, two million, five million, ten million dollars. Uh, Sunderland Foundation was very gracious, um, and they've already committed ten million dollars to the project. Um, I have a, a congressional. Uh, uh, trying to think where discretionary funding otherwise known as earmark um you know we have a two million dollar earmark that went through representative david's office for um, advanced manufacturing equipment for the downtown facility well that's in the that's in the national fiscal budget right now it went through that uh, the um, house uh, defense subcommittee and it was passed 
It was the only community college project that was passed in the United States through the defense sector. Uh, so there's $2 million, but we don't have a national budget yet, right? So we've, that's, we should have one by February 15th. So, uh, you know, we're, we're feeling pretty solid that when we have a national budget, then that $2 million will become available. But it should have been available last year, right? So we would have added that to our 26, that'd put us at 28. Uh, we have a $3 million uh, EDA grant for brick and mortar for downtown for the advanced manufacturing and the construction portion of that building. You know, so that puts us at 31 million. Um, and then some of the philanthropic support would have easily put us at 35 million. But we'll still receive those funds. It's just in this quarter versus last quarter. Um, and, and then working with the SPARC committee at the state level, you know, the state has or received $1.6, $1.7 billion in uh, ARPA money for allocation. So we're working with the SPARC's executive committee um, and the subcommittee on health and education um, for a $30 million request. Um, and we'll have that submitted here probably before January. We're just waiting for the um, website application form to be built for that. So uh, really specific goals. Um, and the board is, does a, a very specific <laughs> review of my progress on those goals, which, which I do appreciate. Um, where are we with our technical programs that are at the high schools and, and at the college. Uh, what's the current, current state of those? Um, there is demand for those technical areas and, and it is becoming more well known. So we have uh, what we call is, is concurrent enrollment and dual enrollment opportunities for high school students. So in the, in the technical programs, we receive about 350 to 400 students per day from the high schools that come to our tech center and are enrolled in one of those programs. Um, and we work with the high schools on, on busing them back and forth. We're expanding that. Um, the, some of the high schools do have their own programs on site. So, and then we, if they, if they develop the program so it meets the requirements of the college as well, then, um, and if their teachers meet the certification, then they can get, that's what we call dual enrollment, where they'll receive high school credit and college credit at the same time. Um, there, there's money that's going into the, the technical programs now um, that has not been there in the past because there's such a demand for skilled workforce right now. So I'd say the current status is pretty strong. Um, we can continue to, to grow that. Um, the downtown program, we currently have a one year uh, construction program. It's residential in nature, um, but we're expanding that into the commercial side as well. So it'll be a two year program. Um, it'll be at the downtown center and working with USD 500 and then expanding to the other districts, uh, juniors and seniors in high school, if they're interested in commercial construction technology, they'll no longer go to their high school, brick and mortar school, right? They're gonna come directly to this downtown center 
and we'll do the technical programming for them. Um, and then we also do the general education and their gen eds will uh, reverse articulate back to the high school. So in the situation where their peers may just be graduating from high school, these individuals will graduate from high school. They'll also receive uh, an associate of applied science and commercial construction technology. They will also have partnered and interned with uh, companies like J. Dunn, McGowan Gordon, uh, Burns and Mac and, and others. So they'll have those skill sets and internships. Um, so they'll graduate high school making $50,000 plus when their friends maybe just be graduating from high school. So a lot of partnerships with, with the high schools in those programs. Um, and, uh, you know, we're investing heavily in uh, adding more opportunities like the, the commercial construction portion of this. Instead of manufacturing, we're moving to advanced manufacturing or really automation engineering because of all the warehousing uh, and distribution centers that we have here and, and thousands of jobs that, that are needed. So our new program is going to have a lot of automation in it. It's going to have programmable logic controllers, CNCs, hydraulics, pneumatics, uh, programming, and, and how to make an operation like Amazon or the new Urban Outfitters where, you know, robots and such are going through and picking and pulling um, merchandise, you know, and putting it in, into a bin and it goes, it gets to, goes to the front, gets packaged and shipped and out. Um, so a lot of money and a lot of attention going into it, um, increasing or enhancing some of those programs. Um, and then we go out and teach at the high schools as well, both gen ed and in those technical programs. So I'd say it's, I'd say it's pretty strong and there's a lot of opportunity that still waits. What about the lifelong learner, learner aspect of that folks want to send themselves back or people from their teams, you know, people in their businesses, you know, so this isn't just entry level, get them and hire them, but you want to keep developing your teams. What, what kind of, mix do you have there of businesses that are doing that that are sending folks back to just help them continually develop yeah sure sure um so that's an area that's growing for us um i'll use one example uh, imt which is an industrial maintenance technician um, that is a customized training program that we work with business and industry so if they have employers that need to be skilled up in that area, they'll come and do that with us and then go back. So it enhances their uh, skill set in their career field. Uh, but then we also have community education if someone just wants to come and learn um, some other program or some other skill, or maybe they just wanna come and they wanna learn how to weld, right? They can they can come and do that as well. So um, it's, it's a mix of full, programs being offered and then also individualized courses our continuing ed department that we have here at the college what you know you talked a little bit about the the more modest tuition rate as opposed to going to one of the big schools but then there's financial aid on that you know how much financial aid does your average student get and what do they really end up having to spend to get this degree? Sure. 
Sure. I, I was actually pulling that up a little bit ago, so I'm gonna look at those numbers real quick. Um, so 50, 54% of our students receive federal grants, um, and that is, you refer to that as the Pell Grant system. So 54% of our students, 65% um, of our students receive some form of financial aid, right? whether it's grants, institutional grants and scholarships or, or local uh, philanthropic support. So 65%, um, that's a big number. And um, it, those will, because our tuition is so low that it pays for tuition and fees for that. I, the new uh, Pell number, I think, is about uh, $5,500 a year. So that would, that would pay for our, our tuition and fees are 3,000. So that gives them money for, to pay for their degree, but then also some of those ancillary expenses that come along with someone uh, trying to uh, get a degree in, in higher ed um, and like gas, you know, as Jeff mentioned, or uh, childcare or, you know, transportation of some sort. So they'll have some money available for that. But, you know, more than, more than half of our students rely on on financial aid or institutional grants to, to help get them through. You know, another thing comes to mind, there's a couple of folks on here. I know that run, you know, great charities. Are there ways for charities to partner with some of the kids in the programs, you know, create internships, opportunities to serve because their career path might be to go down a charitable path organization wise. Yeah, sure, sure. Um, so we, you know, we, we love to build those opportunities whenever we can. So um, with, through the foundation, you know, uh, scholarships can be set up and they can have special parameters put around them that it is for a student that is going through program A, B, or C. Um, there, there could be some uh, other parameters that the philanthropic organization or the charity wants the students who are receiving those scholarships uh, to have a focus on. So, you know, that works real well as we get our uh, new career and placement service up and running more. Uh, we're building out a, an online job portal. So it would be job seekers and, and, and uh, employers that can meet up online uh, to, to see what kind of connection can be made there. Um, I would say for right now, if there's a philanthropic support that anyone is thinking about and, and if they wanna focus on a specific program or anything, uh, reach out to Mary Spangler. Um, we can get her, uh, Mary might wanna put your email address in the chat or something um, and, and she can help get that set up. Well, what you're doing is awesome. And when you think about one, the need out there in our economy uh, for skilled workers and two, just those financials, as you talked about, of what someone could be making in year one and year two and year five, it would be a shame for kids not to hear about the value this could create in 
their life. It could really change the trajectory of, of their, of their life and their kids' lives by having access to these kinds of programs. So what you're doing is powerful. Well, thank you. I I appreciate it. Um, it, It's a passion of mine. Um, So we're, we're, we're doing some great things and there's always things we can do more and, I'm an advocate for setting those goals really high and just doing what needs to be done to, to make it happen. So fortunate to have a great team, you know, working with me and um, we, we enjoy what we're doing and, and, and we're, we're changing lives and, uh, you know, changing the trajectory of, of people for, you know, like, as you mentioned, Randy, for, for generations. Yeah. You just have to get that one start in those families that, um, earn some sort of college degree or certificate so that their family can see that and what that has provided their family and that will generate, you know, change that cycle of, of generational poverty in, in a lot of our communities. Well, thanks for what you and the team there are doing. It's, it's awesome. And it's, uh, it's going to make a big difference in folks' lives. So keep up that great work. Good. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me on today. And if there's any uh, follow-up questions, uh, email me as well. Um, I'll throw it in the chat here before we log off, but thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, let's get your email there in case folks. And if if businesses here want to partner with someone at the school on particular programs for employees or recruiting, who, do, who should they start with? Um. So I'm sorry, say that one more time. I was if, if folks off. here with businesses want to partner with the school on training and recruiting, is there a particular area where they would go to start? Or uh, you can contact me directly and I'll help get that set up. We're, we're doing that with several companies right now. Awesome. So yeah, sounds good. Well, well, thanks for having me on. Um, look forward to it. I'll come back. You know, we get this downtown center built come back and, and let you know how that's going. Awesome. Look forward to seeing it. All right. Have thanks. a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you uh, next week. All right. Take care. Happy New Year, everyone. Bye, everybody.